0: You are listening to the Fresh Focus podcast, where VA dietitian nutritionists are serving up health and wellness information for veterans and their families. In addition to being in clinic, chatting over the phone, or using video connect, we're taking a new approach to increase your access with this podcast, sharing bites of information from your dietitians when it's convenient for you. A new year brings a new perspective on our health and wellness. As we reflect and prepare for this year, we pause to recognize an empty chair at our table, representing veterans that are no longer here to speak their voice. The VA has an amazing weight management program called MOVE. This comprehensive program gives you not only the blueprint to follow, but the tools needed to meet your individual goals in 2021. So grab a notebook and get ready for some tangible tips to help you this year during our Move to a Healthier You series.
1: Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Fresh Focus podcast. Today's title is The Psychology of Eating, Why We Put Things in Our Mouths. So you'll be learning some new tools for your healthy toolbox. My name is Dr. Cadella, a mental health provider with over 25 years of experience. Working with Move participants to better understand the relationship our minds have with food and drink has been a passion of mine for a long time. This episode arms you with tools to reconnect your body by learning to fully listen to its wants and needs. So let's talk about some common eating patterns or behaviors. Knowledge is power when learning about our patterns and behaviors, especially in relation to food. If you've ever had a food journal in the past where you kept track of what you ate or whatnot, You might have noticed certain eating patterns or behaviors. When we know why we're doing something, it's easier to make changes. You might be surprised to know that certain habits you have are almost completely unconscious. So, for example, do you notice yourself eating too quickly, often finishing an entire meal in five minutes or less? Do you tend to eat while standing or late at night? Do you eat in response to stress, depression, or boredom? Do you eat because the clock says so, just because it's 12 noon and it's time for lunch? Or maybe while you're distracted, for example, watching TV, playing on the computer, even driving your car. Or do you find yourself overeating certain foods or entire meals to the point of discomfort? For example, Thanksgiving dinner or going to an all-you-can-eat buffet. Do you tend to clear your plate, in other words, eating everything from your plate, because that's how you are taught? Or maybe skipping meals because you're just too busy to stop and eat. These are common behaviors that we might want to point out. The next is the reason we eat. Food and water are fuel to our bodies. Without one or the other, the machine stops functioning and we break down. The only reason we need to eat food and drink water is to survive. Other reasons are based on pure pleasure or habit. In short, We have stopped listening to our bodies. There are many reasons we eat, but often they are for external reasons triggered by our environment rather than our body's true biological hunger. All those habits we just talked about, eating because the clock tells us to, or because we're bored, or because other people around us are eating, are all external reasons to put things in our mouths. Most of us have forgotten to listen to our bodies. Here's another way to look at it. I have never designed an automobile fuel system but I put plenty of gas in vehicles over the years and here's what I tend to do I drive up to the pump put the nozzle in my gas tank and I start to fill up the nice thing is that most pump nozzles have that little hole open latch you know the doohickey that holds the trigger down so you don't have to squeeze it while the vehicle fills up well the nozzle also has a sensor port and an auto shutoff feature so when your gas tank is full the gas nozzle makes a t-tunk noise and shuts off. Now, I don't know about you, but when the t-tunk noise is made, I tend to look at the pump to see how many gallons I put in my vehicle and how much money I owe. Heaven forbid the pump says I owe $37.13 because that's not okay. So I override the gas pump and I squeeze more gas into my car to the point that I get an even $38 worth of gas. Or maybe gas is super cheap today and I want to put as much gas in as possible in my tank, so I really maximize the value I'm getting here. I don't want 18.8 gallons of gas. I want to cram every bit of gas I can into my 20-gallon tank, so I just keep overriding the system that keeps telling me the tank is full. In fact, I'll hear that thunk noise four or five times before I stop, even though I'm only getting like one more second of gas in there. Let me see if you're picking up what I'm throwing down. The gas pump nozzle safety mechanism has clicked off. It's telling me, stop, the tank is full. Yet I physically override the handle in order to shove more gas in a tank that is already full according to the very smart people who designed the system. I didn't listen to my car's needs. Instead, I put in more than it needed due to my wants we do the same thing with our bodies. We eat to give fuel to our bodies. And if we listen to our bodies, we'll hear the tatank noise telling us, our bodies are full and it has what it needs. But for whatever reason, we override our built-in safety system and continue to put more food and drink into our mouths, even though our body has already told us, I don't need anymore, I'm full. In episode 14, Carrie talked about a tool that you can use called the Hunger Rating Scale. Remember, it kind of goes like this. Before you put food or drink in your mouth, you should give yourself a number between 0 and 10. At level 0, you're so hungry you're having trouble standing up. You can't really focus your eyes. You're not functioning well and you're about to pass out. You are starving or dehydrated. On the other end, at a level 10, you are so full you're nauseous. You can't stuff any more food in your system without something spilling back out, just like when you overfill your gas tank. So before you put any food or drink in your mouth, other than water, that is, you can drink as much water as you like. Stop and listen to your body. Then give yourself a number between 0 and 10. If you rate yourself at a level 3 or level 4, your body is telling you it needs some fuel. If you rate yourself at a level 5, You are perfectly comfortable and do not need to eat. Your body has exactly what it needs right now, so the only reason you're eating or drinking something is for the external reasons we talked about earlier. If you rate yourself a level 6 through 10, you're now overriding your body and forcing food and drink into your system that is not needed. You are eating for external reasons only at this point. For example, emotional eating. Maybe you're at a party where there's food. The clock says it's time to eat, etc., Remember, when you eat for external reasons, you're more likely to overeat, and any excess food that is not used as fuel is stored as fat, so everything you overeat adds to your fat stores. So let's talk about emotional eating. Many people eat in response to emotions and use food as a coping mechanism to feel better or to distract them from something that's bothering them. Do an exercise with me. It'll give you a greater awareness of your emotional eating triggers. I'm going to name an emotion, and for each emotion, I want you to think of the very first food or drink that comes to mind that you want to consume based on the emotion. So, for example, if I said stressed, the very first thing that pops your mind might be potato chips, because when you get stressed, you really want something crunchy and salty. Again, just go for the first food or drink that pops in your mind. You ready? Let's give it a try angry, stressed, bored, sad, lonely, happy. Remember, knowledge is power. Now that you know when you're feeling a certain emotion, you tend to pair it with a certain food or drink. And as you become more aware of your emotions throughout the day while using the hunger scale, you'll gain a better understanding of your food and drink intake. I really want you to try to get in touch with your range of emotions and identify if you're using food to comfort or distract you from whatever is really happening or bothering you. And that leads us to talk a little bit about our emotions. Most of us have a very narrow range of emotion. It's usually sad, mad, glad. But really, there are hundreds of emotions with varying levels of intensity. For example, let's look at anger. If you look at the least intense of emotion, it might be more annoyance, followed by agitation, then fed up, then frustrated, then irritated, then mad, then resentful, then disgusted. Do you see how these feelings are getting more intense? Then it might be followed by outraged, furious, then you're seething, then you're livid, and finally you're bitter, which is a long-term emotion. We often use food to fill an emotional need, and if you're using food to feel better about something, then you'll probably continue to use it until you don't need it anymore. I challenge you to experience the emotion and think of what you really need before you open your mouth. If you're feeling sad, a truckload of potato chips will not alleviate your sadness. On the contrary, it might make you feel worse. So ask yourself the following questions. What am I feeling right now? Why am I turning to food or drink? Will eating or drinking this help how I feel? What do I really need instead? Then, before you turn to food or drink, wait a few minutes and pause to give yourself what you really need. That being said, if you decide to eat the food, then I ask that you follow this five-step process. Number one. Give yourself permission and release any guilt associated with that food number two take the food to the table sit down divide the food in half be mindful of what you're eating number three notice the qualities of the food the color the texture the smell the taste then number four after eating half of the food create a delay get up from the table walk away Do something else for just a couple minutes. And then if you want to keep eating, if that's what you need, come back and finish. And lastly, number five, use your hunger scale to see if you're at a level five. And if you are, simply don't eat anymore. Again, I want to release you of your feeling of guilt. If you decide that eating two or three pieces of that chocolate cake is what you really want, Even if you've already listed yourself a 5 or higher on the hunger chart, then you've made that decision. A quote-unquote diet is where you totally deny yourself things you want to eat. This instead is about creating a long-term, healthier lifestyle, not a short-term diet. It's like taking a long-distance run versus doing a short sprint. So over the long haul, you can enjoy sugar and spice and everything nice, as long as it's in moderation. If you want to eat something that's not as healthy, try to balance your choice by making a healthier choice within the next 24 hours. Maybe you have a salad or some fruit or avoid artificially sweet items. It doesn't have to be an exact balance. But if you have that piece of chocolate cake within the next 24 hours, balance it with something else. Now take a moment to make a list of activities that you can engage in other than eating that also make you feel good. Keep this handy and refer to it if you're tempted to use food for comfort. You might even want to put it on the refrigerator so you see it when you go to grab something. Making choices when at home can be different than when you're in a public setting. We have a lot of unwritten social rules and norms that we tend to follow where food and drink are related. Do any of the following sound like rules that you tend to follow? Celebrations must always include food and drink. What about... Holidays and parties means it's okay to over drink and overeat. Or when you go to a baseball game, you've got to get a hot dog and a drink. Or when you go to the movies, we need that big barrel of buttery popcorn. And when you're going out to eat, we need to get our money's worth. Just think of those all you can eat buffets. So what we want to do is plan ahead. Planning ahead is probably the single most important tactic that you can use to deal with social eating. When you plan ahead, it minimizes social eating cues. Last-minute decision-making, impulse eating, helps you maintain control, and ultimately minimizes your guilt. For example, I try not to go grocery shopping unless I have a full belly. I'm at a level 5. Because I know if I go to the grocery store without having a full stomach, I tend to overbuy and overspend. So I plan ahead to go grocery shopping by putting something in my stomach to make me feel content so I just purchase the things I really need. I also tend to eat a little bit before I go to a party. Actually, I can eat a lot and I've embarrassed my family before by eating way too much at a party. I'll take that entire shrimp tray, thank you very much. So I eat a little bit before we leave and that way I don't feel the urge to eat as much while I'm at the party. Another way you can plan ahead is to determine what meals you're going to make during the week. How often will you have fish, chicken, red meat, or a vegetarian meal? That way, you're not staring at the refrigerator at six o'clock one night, wondering, what the heck am I going to eat tonight? I also have a rule that I try never to buy soda pop when I go out to eat. Part of that is because I'm very frugal with my money, and I don't want to spend two to three dollars for a soda, so I choose water instead. I feel like I'm being healthy and I'm saving money. Win-win for me. When I'm at a potluck, I tell myself, I'm going to try and have a very small amount of everything that looks appetizing instead of focusing on one or two things and eating a lot of it. I want to talk a little bit about biology and anatomy. And I want to talk about how we are kind of like dogs. Say what? I know, I know. Hear me out now. Did you know that we share basic parts of our brains with animals and reptiles? There's a part of our brain called the amygdala that tells us two things, stay alive and reproduce. In order to stay alive, we need to eat and drink. In order to reproduce, well, that's a totally different seminar. Anyway, if you've ever owned a dog, You know that you can feed your dog 10 times a day, every day. But if your dog gets loose, she or he will find anything to eat. Because part of their brain says, Hey, eat everything you can because I don't know when our next meal will come. It's a survival instinct. We, as humans, tend to do that as well. We get lost and we need to eat to the point of discomfort, nausea, or upset stomach. We eat not because our body NEEDS the food. We eat because it's there. We've stopped listening to our bodies and let the animalistic part of our brain take over. Well, just like a dog, we need to retrain our brains to understand we eat at the table. This way, over time, when you walk into other parts of your home, your mind won't associate that area with food. Now, Hear me out. Let's say you're watching TV and you THINK you're hungry. You'll find that because you don't bring food into the living room anymore, you just won't get up to get it. You'd rather watch your show than walk into the kitchen, get your food, sit down in the kitchen at the table, and stay there to eat. So, like the intelligent animal that you are, when you are really hungry, truly hungry, not because you think you're hungry, because your body tells you you are, you'll go to the table, you'll sit down. Remember another bad habit is eating while standing? And you'll eat something that is probably more appropriate than the entire bag of Oreos. And yes, leaving just one Oreo in the bag is the same as eating the entire bag. Trust me, I have done it. So by making these small changes, you'll be making a move to a much healthier you. The other area that we're like dogs is that humans are pack animals. Human beings are not designed to be alone. We need social support to be healthy. And here are some tips in helping others make healthy choices. Number one, think about what it is that you want and ask them for it. For example, when you've made a healthy choice, do you want those around you to praise you? Do you want them to give you feedback about your choice? Or would you prefer they just leave you alone and let you do your own thing? Let them know what it is you'd like. Number two, another thing you can do is request that people don't offer you food unless you specifically ask for it. If you go over to the same friend's house over and over again, and they're always offering you something to eat or drink because that's their custom, let them know that you feel obliged to eat and drink whatever they offer, and ask them to please not offer it, because that ultimately helps you. Number three, you can also let people know you prefer not to have food or drink as a gift. My wife and I used to host dinner parties, and people constantly brought us bottles of wine as gifts. This was great for the actual dinner party, but we often ended up having more than anyone could safely drink. But here's the kicker. My wife and I aren't wine drinkers, so we kept accumulating bottles and bottles of wine that people would bring us for dinner gifts. We finally just had to tell people we're not big wine drinkers and to please either don't bring anything or bring something else other than a bottle of wine. My wife and I were afraid of offending them, but in all honesty, they were happy not to bring a bottle of wine or even bring something else, or nothing at all. This was a win-win for everybody when we were assertive and told people what we wanted. Lastly, number four, another thing you can do in your family is to have everyone in the family eat the same meal on any given night. I remember when we first had kids, my wife would cook three meals. She would cook a meal for the kids, then she'd cook a separate meal for me, as well as cook something different for herself because she and I have different food likes. I found this maddening, and I felt bad that my wife was making three separate meals because it was so much work for her as she was trying to please everybody. As the kids got older, I slowly got her to agree to just make one meal for the entire family, which meant we all compromise some nights and we all get what we want other nights. So let's recap. Now that you are armed with information, remember knowledge is power, you can begin to make healthier choices. Don't diet. That's a short-term solution that usually doesn't work. Instead, choose to live a healthier lifestyle. Now buckle your tool belt and continue listening as Beth wraps up this series on Move Into a Healthier You. Take care.